I'm Ian Dallimore, and this is Digital Endurance. I just, I was a car guy. This is actually one of those apps that you're actually doing things. This is a really fun story. All right, welcome back, guys. My next guest, I've known him for 17 years, and I haven't seen him in 16, and we just randomly ran into each other in New York, where he doesn't live. Um, he's an investor of three West Side bars and restaurants. He has a canned cocktail startup company. He has a robotic delivery uh, service company that's about to launch. Um, he worked and is a connoisseur of Porsches since he was eight with his grandfather. He's an inspiring artist and carpenter. Spectacular uh, follow on Instagram, by the way. He's a husband and father of two. My friend Ryan McPhail, Entertainment Partnerships at Pinterest. Good to see you. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I, I kind of feel like you, you and I have known each other for 17 years. I feel like I'm going to feel old. Probably talking about our early journeys, but thanks for having me. Yeah, and which was funny because you're actually based in LA, and we were supposed to meet up the week before when I was out west, and we had to our schedules didn't align, and then just randomly, first, literally first two hours in New York, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So hope you enjoyed the U.S. Open. Yeah, it was fantastic. I'm wearing the hat. I know you, the listeners can't see, but uh, I became a huge fan. I actually didn't had never watched a professional match in my life. And watch all the way through Alvarez, Alcaraz mm -hmm. to take the the whole championship. Yeah, and don't take this as a as a negative. It's more of a positive. But you you look like a tennis player too. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So I <laughs> I couldn't. I, I we can't even start the podcast without even talking about the story. Um, first off, the fact that you own two Porsches is amazing because when I was a kid, my father actually still has them. It's hysterical, but he has probably over a thousand like model cars. And I always had an affinity and drew myself towards the, uh, the Porsche and all the different great models. So I know this is ask, this is kind of similar to me asking you who your favorite child is, uh, which on, I think episode two, Claire is when I mentioned who my favorite actual child was, but it got beeped out. But so we'll ask what's your favorite Porsche out of the two. What are, Oh the my gosh. Okay. So the two Porsches are, I have a 1973, 914 two liter, very original. Uh, it's in fantastic shape. And I actually got that car in high school and I still have it. It looks identical to the way it looked in high school. Um, that one's up in storage. And then I, I recently bought a car and bring a trailer, which is a 2011 Carrera GTS. So it's a 911 model, very different types of cars. I would say my favorite has got to be the 914 just because of the history of that car. I've had it my, my whole life, basically. My grandfather, I grew up with him. Uh, he was the, the first Porsche fanatic. He got his first Porsche in the 80s. I'm going to age myself here for sure. In the late 80s, I was about eight years old, and he took me for a ride. He took my dad and I for a ride. And it was just such this like novel experience. I just never felt that before, and it was just so exhilarating. And then he started taking his car. It was a, a kind of a limited edition 911 in the 80s. He started taking it to car shows and winning awards at car shows. And he just took me along just to expose me to this whole world. And I just became a huge, huge fan. I mean, you can imagine at the age of eight, seeing some of the stuff that I've seen at car shows and at tracks and he started racing. And so I, I spent my, a lot of my adolescence uh, with him in the garage, like working on this car. And then when I turned 15, which is a crazy story because I didn't really grow up with a lot of money, although it may sound like it. He, he gifted me this 914 that he had for a couple of years. And he's like, all these years that you've been helping me, like, I just wanted to say thank you and get you this car. And I mean, I was not expecting that. 
So at 15, I had a 914 that I drove to high school. And you can just imagine kind of the, the commotion that, that drew the, you know, it's just kind of created at the high school. I had a lot of friends who were like, Hey, can you take me up for lunch? And like, we'd, you know, we'd leave for lunch and go for a ride. And I just, I was a car guy. I was just hooked, you know, hooked at an early age. So yeah, for sure the 914, but the 911 one fun. Yeah. And obviously drastically two different cars, but I, I would say that the memories that you just laid out, it, it's what it's really about. And this does have significance listeners to the overall conversation with Ryan here, because he, I thought we were going to gift you today a, a a very brilliant man that works in the uh, at Pinterest, as we had mentioned. But as we prep for this, and and shame on me for not knowing all these things, as I kind of continue to ask questions, I was like, Jesus, we don't even have to talk about Pinterest. We could talk about everything else. But so going back to that, so that's that's got to be so much fun to be able to create memories with your grandfather, hang out at racetracks, hang out at car shows, and then not only, but you're having this underlying gift per se that your grandfather i'm assuming the entire time that was his his end goal is teach you responsibilities teach you the importance of cars but what a what a special bond ryan absolutely i mean absolutely he i think of him as like my second father you know a lot of the should the events that we went to the shows uh track events it was usually just he and myself like he and i we would sit in a motel we would trailer cars in we'd do this the stuff and then head home He'd pick me up at four o'clock in the morning. We'd have all that time in the, in the car to drive and just kind of bond and talk. But yeah, he taught me a lot of the things that I, the skills and attributes that I kind of carry through to today, even in my work, like my day-to-day digital job, like my attention to detail, like my nickname has been Mr. Polish in a lot of my, more of like my professional jobs. And it, it comes down to like the detailing, the early days of detailing cars and just like how I kind of work with things, work with products and things. Yeah. And you, you kind of alluded to this, you, you introduced it actually about an hour ago, you, you shared this with me and I, I think it's great to share and thank you for opening up about this, but you discovered that you had dyslexia late in life compared to most people at age of 28. Um, I believe you said you were moving back out West to LA and you had a full assessment at uh, UCLA. So talk to us about the diagnosis and how it's completely changed, how you think about yourself and your abilities and how it's kind of transitioned yourself maybe touch on that just a tad for our listeners yeah for sure i mean that's it's a it's a huge aspect of my life it it completely changed me for the better discovering what that was being able to label it i mean i I struggled through school right like grade school i had teachers and my parents put me in glasses reading glasses so they're like oh like your sight must be not great and my mom swears up and down she's like you know you were tested like you went through the, the typical standardized testing and assessments and it just wasn't detected. And I think that's a very common thing. I think a lot of listeners, statistically speaking, I think it's two in 10 listeners likely have dyslexia. Oh, wow. They may know it. They may not know it. I think a lot of people don't know it. And so I fell into that, that latter bucket and I struggled through school. I, I did tutoring after school. I, you know, I went, got into college. I just struggled through college. I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself academically. And I just found an outlet. I just knew I had a lot of these like fun ideas. And I was getting a lot of energy through hands-on experiences. So if you kind of look at my academic career, like all my bright spots were getting super involved in the American Marketing Association, um, working on events. I actually got to meet Steve Jobs in college, which is like, who, who gets to do that? But like, I think because of dyslexia, not being so successful academically, I kind of leaned on other things to sort of build my confidence and like my abilities. And I, you know, I did fine through my kind of entry level years into media. Like I joined media buying at Kinetic. I did pretty well, but I just 
internally, I feel like I struggled. And it wasn't until I moved to Chicago in 2011. So I was about 28 at the time. And I just, I had time to really just think about a lot of stuff about my life, my plans, my goals, like, what do I want to do? And it was, I think it was a commercial I ended up seeing that, that spoke about some of the like misconceptions of what dyslexia is. Like a lot of people think it's just flipping letters around and I'm like, that's not me. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. But like, it's actually this, it's like poor spelling, you know, inability to like quickly read and comprehend and like excelling at other things that are a little bit more hands-on. And I'm like, that sounds a lot like me. And so I just started sort of looking online and I didn't want to fall into that like behavior of like diagnosing yourself online so for sure, I talked to my mom and I asked her a lot of questions. I asked my girlfriend at the time and she's like, yeah, maybe. And so when I, when I moved back to LA, I just did some research to figure out, you know, how can you get fully tested and assessed as an adult? And I was led to the UCLA psychology department, I guess. Mm-hmm. They, they offer free testing for adults. So I went through the program. It was like this pretty rigorous 12 week program. And I came out of it with this, like this crazy chart of saying like, you're, you're horrible at reading and comprehending and all this stuff I'm like that. Yes. Yeah, so it's so true. Cause it's like you excel, you're getting this huge 99th percentile for like spatial awareness and like visual things, and all these other things. So, you know, fast forward to like my career at Pinterest, I, you know, the second that that platform started when it was invite only, this is probably 2011. Mm-hmm. I gravitated to it naturally because of dyslexia. It was a super visual platform. And I just felt like this is such a cool platform that you can just organize everything visually. That's what I'm all about. And then, you know, several years later, I ended up getting a job there, which is pretty crazy. I've been there for almost eight years. But, oh, wow. but yeah, that, that learning, learning of, you know, having dyslexia and it not really having a negative connotation, I think has been a big part of my life. It, it probably hurt my confidence early on, mm-hmm. but I feel like now that I kind of understand it better, I can cope with it. And I've found a lot of really great successes. See, the first thing I would have done had I discovered if I had dyslexia when I was 28, I would have called my mom first thing. I would have been like, hey, take back every one of those chores, <laughs> extra chores, just rip an enemy for bad grades and this, that, and the other. Uh, so you're a better man. So we'll take a step towards you had mentioned. You and I actually met when you had worked at Kinetic in Santa Monica over 17 years ago to age both of us. I think it may have been, it's like one of my first business, big boy business trips. And I remember meeting you and everything that you're saying right now, like you seem like an extremely confident man. And obviously the man that I know today um, and who you've become, but it it is interesting though, because you did gravitate not only towards Pinterest, which we'll touch on in a second, but visually in the out of home space. And you worked on, you worked on some pretty massive brands. um, And I straight up stole this off of LinkedIn, but over $73 million of WPP clients. So Entourage, Land Rover, WB, Hallmark, and a ton of others. Like, And you even were a part of a campaign that won the most creative out-of-home execution with Land Rover. So to be able to, to work in the ad space, but having dyslexia and working in, in the out-of-home, which is a pure visual, I mean, that that's, that's your wheelhouse. And then you evolve over to, you know, a, handful of other out of home mobile companies, but visual was always kind of the theme for you. So that had to have helped build the confidence and build your, your journey and your career where you are today. Yeah. One, yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, I think it was because of my struggle through school that when the second I got a job and I was like this, I don't have to take tests anymore. I don't have to read a bunch of textbooks. I just get to work and then see this work out in the real world, and like work with people and get paid. Like if I'm going to get paid, like I'm not going to get graded and get paid. 
it was like done. Like I'm, I'm happy, you know, like I had so much energy when I first started out of college at kinetic, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the visual nature, I think if you just look up the definition of like dyslexia and the symptoms, you typically will say like a lot of dyslexics, whether they know or don't know it naturally sort of gravitate towards sales and like towards like these visual mediums. And no doubt that's, that's a big aspect of why I got into the industry. I actually went to college originally for industrial design. So you'll see, like I say, a little bit of a note about like my, you know, I'm into arts and, and carpentry and I love design. I actually studied like art pretty extensively through high school. I went to Pasadena Art Center and, and I studied with some of like, the biggest car designers at the Pasadena Art Center. That was my path. I was like, I'm going to love this. And the second I start, tried that out in school, it was just no longer fun. It like took the art and the creativity out of it. It was like all this, you've got to be super perfect. And it was just like, that's, that's not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I came across a program on the, the campus that was all about like the marketing association and joining this club. And I was like, oh, advertising could be cool. Like there's some art mixed into advertising. I, I just sort of leaned on that. And it's just been a, it's been a blast. I love the industry. Yeah. So we had mentioned Land River um, Entourage. Arguably, anyone argues with me about it is completely wrong. The greatest TV series to ever be played, that being Entourage. I mean, that, that had to have been yeah. such a great campaign to work on in the out-of-home space and probably beyond. It was so much fun. I was actually living a bit of a frat boy lifestyle, very single, like right out of college, working at Kinetic, doing these plans. And walk. I was actually I was living in a house with a bunch of guys, very entourage-like. There's actually a little house in Bel Air that we, we ended up getting through a friend. And um, I was working on the business as well. And just I was watching the series, like watching all the reruns and everything, and just getting super into it. And one of the ideas that we ended up having as a group for Kinetic was that they shoot that show all over LA. And they actually show, it's a lot like Kirby Enthusiasm, they actually show the venues that they're at. So I was thinking like, if you know, it would be really fun to do an out-of-home campaign where you have one of these like LA, Hollywood, like, celebrity sightseeing tour buses hit all the spots that the show filmed at at the previous episode. And so we started mapping these spots out. We're like, this you could easily run a bus with their advertising through all these different locations. They ended up doing it. But the funny thing is here, one of the, the bigger ideas, actually the, the reason why I probably leaned into entrepreneurialism for myself was that that was Warner Brothers syndication and the same team that oversaw Entourage also oversaw TMZ. Mm. TMZ was fairly new at the time. They just launched their like sports channel, their sports division, and they also were trying to get an out of home and exploring some ideas. And we came up with this, a very similar idea, and they loved that like going to frequent spots kind of thing. And that idea for an out of home media campaign turned into the TMZ tour. So I don't know if you have any like tourists on the the line of like listening, but if you go to LA, LA or Hollywood, you see the TMZ bus, the TMZ tour that came out of one of the out of home campaigns I worked on for TMZ. Okay. No and they, they still have it today. Yeah. That's yeah, Harvey, Harvey Levin was like, I love this idea. Like he would actually run up on the buses, like when it would come by the office and they started just having celebrities like kind of queued up and it would kind of go on the bus. So that partnership between Starline buses and TMZ came out of an out of a media campaign that I worked on as a kid. I was like just out of school. That's awesome. So to, to see that stuff and experience that as a young kid, it was just like incredibly inspiring and a lot of fun. Yeah. So fast forward, you worked at a handful of mobile companies. Uh, you worked for uh, another out-of-home company. And you, as you had just mentioned a moment ago, you end up at Pinterest. I recall getting my first invite to Pinterest and my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, was like, how'd you get an invite before me? And 
it, it's just kind of blown up. So talk to me a little bit about um, how you ended up at Pinterest, specifically heading up the uh, entertainment partnerships and what that means and what your day-to-day is. Yeah, for sure. So this is a good segue. Sort of ironically, I got into Pinterest. I had the opportunity through a friend who was already there. She had moved from LA to San Francisco and she was starting the sales team before ads had even started. This was probably like late 2013, early 2014. Her name's Kathy Chin. I owe a lot of my success at the company in my career to her. Um, she gave me a huge opportunity at the company. She's actually now at a company called, I think it's Rocketry. She's based out of London now. Mm. It's a consultancy group. And she works with Sarah Benedict, who worked with me at Kinetic. You I, probably remember her. I, yeah. She was like a, a big lead at Kinetic. 100%. So they work together now. But so Kathy, Kathy Chin gave me my opportunity at, at uh, Pinterest. And, and at the time, so this is kind of like a backstory on me. At the time, I had really just recently discovered dyslexia, was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in my career, had always been in media, and was just sort of cutting my teeth in sales. I'd been in sales for a couple of years already. Always really worked, for the most part, within auto and entertainment. Knew those industries very well. And was chasing, and I think a lot of other people do this, but for sure a lot of younger folks who I end up meeting in the industry are sort of on that same path that I was on, which was like, I need to make more money. Cause when you start out in advertising, you just don't make a lot of money. And then it was just a couple moments before, right before Pinterest where I felt like the company I'm working for, like I don't use, I don't use their product. Like I don't really enjoy the product. I just felt like I was slanging ads and it just didn't feel great. This is when mobile was blowing up. Ad networks were blowing up and there's a lot of shady stuff happening behind the scenes with like network ads and run the inventory and all this crap. And, I was just like falling out of love with the industry. I was like, I don't like where this is going. And then, you know, Pinterest came about. I was a huge fan of the platform from a user standpoint. She reached out to me. At the time, I was like, you know, director of agency sales at, at Blue Water Ads. And she reached out. She was like, hey, we've got this opportunity in LA. It's, it's sort of, it's like a step down from where you're at. But like, it's, it's Pinterest and we're going to be growing really fast. And it's a private company. She's trying to sell me on the company. And I said, for sure, like, let me at least interview for the role. And it was, Honestly, the role, I could care less about the role. I was just more interested in like working at the company and just seeing what the company was about. And I had like one of the best interview loop experiences you can ever have. Leadership, like Bill Watkins, like the guy that's basically like our CRO right now. He interviewed me. He flew down to LA to meet with me. The local team or the the local SF sales team met with me. And I was just like, everybody on this team seems way cool. They're all obviously very smart. And it just was like a great opportunity for me to get in. So I ended up getting the job in sales, focused on entertainment. And I was one of two people in LA. We were in a small little shared workspace on Main Street in Santa Monica. For working for this company, that's a huge, well-known brand. And so early days was hilarious because when people would find out that Pinterest had an office there, you know, they wouldn't know that you were in sales. They just felt like you're your Pinterest, like you kind of help pinners and whatever it was. And so people would just like bombard this little office that we had and would just stand in front of us and ask us questions like all day long. Um, I, I kind of miss those early days because it was just fun and so Wild West feeling like. But um, I ended up just doing, you know, staying at Pinterest, staying focused in sales, staying in entertainment, really kind of digging in within the entertainment vertical because it was so new. Uh, I felt like I was able to really add a lot of value with like my perspective and what entertainment needs. I gave a lot of, guidance to our product teams and help them develop ad formats and ad products that the entertainment industry was looking for. And that's really what I think hooked me and, and had me staying here for such a long time. And even today, like I'm still working with our product teams up in San Francisco, helping them with content strategies, 
new formats, new products that make sense for the vertical. And it's like a lot of people think, you know, from the outside, you're like, hey, you've been at the company for eight years. Like, aren't you bored? Or, you know, like that's such a long time, especially to be in a very similar role. I would say no. Like the way Pinterest is structured is like, yeah, you can have a sales hat on, but you can like reach out to somebody in product or engineering and just spend the whole quarter, whole year working with them to bring something to life, which I love. Yeah, and I'll kind of I'll kind of plug, and you can maybe go a little bit deeper. But you guys recently debuted a new app called Shuffles with collage yeah. making and mood boards. So maybe touch on that one a little bit. I I read the press release last week when I was kind of prepping for the call, and that that seems like an just a whole new rebrand and and new opportunity for Pinterest to just continue to grow. It's a it's a very exciting new innovation space. I mean, to be honest with you, the sales team is not. We don't really get comms. We don't get debriefed on what this team is doing, but. It was this group is called 22. It's a small incubator within Pinterest that is solely focused on bringing innovative technology to market and just testing and trying new things, just having fun with tech. And they've, they've come out with a lot of different little products. This one ended up being a, just a shock success. I mean, it was a matter of days where it went from like, Oh, this got released and it's like a, you know, a little standalone app to like everybody in the sales team is on Slack begging for invite codes. All their clients are reaching out to them, trying to get access to it. And a lot of my senior VP clients were like, hey, like this thing seems super cool. I can't get code. Can you help us out? Like our CMO is reaching out for code. Um, and it's just like a really cool thing to see. And if you look at the product, I mean, have you used, have you tried it out yet? I, I just looked at it and it? yeah, it, but it definitely revitalized my, my thought about Pinterest and, and to take a deeper dive back into it. It's really, it's really, really cool. I mean, I, I kind of jumped in and started playing around with it, and I'm probably not best equipped to really officially state what this thing is. And to be honest with you, I would, I would bet that this, the team that produced it and released it, the reason why it's invite only is they want to just see like what does it become. I mean, in the few short weeks I've been playing with it, one of the coolest use cases I found was that you can create amazing iPhone wallpapers or just you know mobile phone wallpapers through it, and that's you see that happening quite a bit. I think it's just a cool creative outlet. I think a lot of people have these like this energy and they just want to like want to create and do things. I think that there's like that whole crafting culture, which Pinterest has always sort of kind of owned that whole culture. Shuffles is just a cool outlet. So if you're a big fan of something, whether it's cars or baseball, like there's all kinds of fun stuff you can create from the Shuffles app. And obviously sharing like a very social aspect to it, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. And in a world of a world of chaos that we live in right now, and oftentimes I as millions of other people blame social media for being the cause of a lot of stress and anxiety and, you know, setting fires to things, virtual fires to things that shouldn't. Um, you guys came out with one of the best ads that I've seen in a very long time and it was called doom scrolling. And we'll definitely drop that in the podcast. Yeah, and, that just came out. That just came out two days ago. Yeah. And it's, I love it, Ryan, because what it is, is it shows, and maybe you can touch on it a bit, but f- the takeaway for me was, is damn, this is actually one of those apps that you're actually doing things, useful things. And yes, it has some social components and yes, it has some ad components to it. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if you're a person like me, that's very visual and like yourself and millions of other people, this is a great way to just like, Hey, I have an idea and I want to put this together and you can peruse through the app and find it. But maybe, maybe touch on briefly the, uh, the ad and the purpose of it. Cause it was hysterical. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know too too much about the ad. I know it's a it's a new campaign that just came out, and you'll probably see from Pinterest marketing and a lot of our advertising. 
we're really just trying to articulate our position in the market. I mean, early days, we were buckets of social. And we use the app. You'll know it's not a social app at all. Like we used to say, it's about yourself, not your selfie. Because you really don't want to see... You don't want to see that kind of stuff on the platform. And Pinterest has really done, a, I think, a really great job of keeping the toxic content off our platform. You don't see political ads. You don't see a lot of negative stuff. Um, they have a creator code. So a lot of the creators who have been in a program with us for a couple of years now, they're actually like encouraged to like, read this creator code and like sign off on it and say, like, you know, I will create content that's helpful and inspiring and not negative and comparative and things like that. So I love the company for that, but it's been difficult. Like as a public company now, it's, you know, Wall Street definitely looks at us and says like, oh, they're social, but they're not doing this, they're not doing that. It's like, they don't really get it. Um, there's a lot of value when you have, you know, over 400 million people globally coming to the app to shop and to buy. They're just in this discovery mode. Like that's why I really joined the company early on was like, it just seemed like a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Like how could you not win when you have, that much intent on a platform and then you have advertisers who are trying to reach people at that right time right so it's been a challenge it's been a lot of fun i mean entertainment even uh it's non-endemic right you don't you wouldn't think of of pinterest as like the tv app or the the movie app but there's just such a huge audience for it there's 40 million people uh a month who are engaging with entertainment content on the platform um and discovering new shows and movies what what is the most recent uh entertainment ad that you've done on Pinterest that you've you've personally have put through the platform? Um done some stuff. I work I work with stars quite a bit. I don't know if I can speak to like their ad campaigns directly. There's one I'm working on for the future that's really, really cool. Uh it's for a movie studio. It's a movie release that's coming out in uh in December. I don't know if I can say the title. A lot of the stuff we're working on is sort of you know top secret ad stuff, right? But um we are the the film is a nineteen twenties kind of, you know, it's almost like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood meets The Great Gatsby. Really kind of fun, like almost that would be The Wolf of Wall Street. It's sort of like showing like the underbelly of like Hollywood back in the 20s. And so they, re- they reached out to us and they, they were like, hey, you know, we know there's a lot of this 1920s costume and party planning stuff that happens on Pinterest. And here's the vibe that we're going for. And within a couple of days, we were able to like help them connect with them with some creators that we have from our fashion and beauty team. So like they invited on to kind of a, a set and they shot some amazing content with the the head costume designer from the film. And so this whole thing's coming together right now, but it's, it's like campaigns like that where you can go really deep into a topic mm-hmm. or a theme. And that's what Pinterest is about. I mean, if you look at La La Land, yep. which came out many years ago, mm-hmm. but like, if you're just curious, like what do movies look like on the platform? Just do a search for La La Land and you'll just see like, it's all about the costumes, the makeup, the looks, the hair, like, it's just, it's just really fun. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great tease. So we won't let you get yourself in any trouble, but I think you're spot on. I think <laughs> that's what Pinterest is about. All right. So shifting yeah. gears, because this is the part of you that I've, I've most recently learned and you and a handful of your friends started a company, uh, ILW entertainment LLC. Yeah. So touch on a little bit about that. And, and then we'll dive into all the different facets of the business and all the different investments. Yeah. So this is a really fun story. So when I was just getting started in my professional career at Kinetic, again, like I said, I was we weren't making very much money, and it, the industry is very social. So like in your early twenties, it's all about like going out, and you've got you know your partners are taking you out to bars, you're going to games, like you just you're making a lot of friends. I just moved to LA from Long Beach, and then so some buddies of mine who went to UCLA locally, 
they were also working their nine to five jobs in different industries, marketing and um, one worked for ICM and CAA. And they, they knew a couple bar owners on the West side. And these bar owners remembered that these guys were in a fraternity at UCLA and would always bring these like big crowds out. And it just sort of naturally built into this thing where they're like, Hey, you know, we're having, we're on Thursdays are a little bit light. Can you guys help bring some people to the, the bar? This is the parlor of Santa Monica back, meaning like the mid 2000s, like the late 2000s. And so just naturally, like by being friends, they were like, Hey, like if you've got some people that you want to invite out, we can get some free drinks. So it led to just some amazing networking and that built into a business. So instead of spending that money, we saved the money and then, uh, we started doing bigger and bigger events. So we started doing pool parties. We started doing partnerships with the W Hotel in, in West Hollywood. There are two guys that own a restaurant there. And they were starting a little tequila company called Casamigos, right? Mm-hmm. So Casamigos actually launched at one of the promotional events that I was working on. And um, it just I think it just inspired us. We're like, this is cool. This is actually a business. And we can do promotions on the west side of LA and not be like the, the typical Hollywood club promoters that just like blow all their money on like drugs and alcohol. We're like, we're not going to spend a cent. We're like save our money, bank it, and invest in stuff. And for sure, we've had some like failures of, of investments, but like that's what it's all about, I think, in, in this kind of space. And then our dream, our vision was one day, like when we become a little bit more successful and have some more cash, like we want to actually build our own bank, our own products, or invest in our own businesses. We've always loved the restaurant and, and the bar space. So there's been opportunities over the years, and you know, one popped up at the Craftsman. So we sort of cut our teeth and invested there. We didn't really manage it, but we helped with the restaurant business. And then Linnea came about, which is a tequila and mezcal bar, local kind of cocktail bar in Santa Monica. Um, there was an opportunity for us to actually partner with the current owner and rebrand it completely. So we were a little bit more involved in Linnea with the help of like the design of the space, the whole program, the cocktailing, everything, operations even. That was so successful. That opened in 2019. Um, it's right at Broadway and 2nd Street in Santa Monica. That was so successful that that really just energized us. Just keep looking for opportunities. And so... Cult came about because of the pandemic. Um, we actually had to like close Linnea almost completely, furloughed a bunch of workers. It was like a super depressing time, but the team was really creative and they actually figured out how to can cocktails. So not the spritzes that you see, like most the, the super popular thing right now is all the different spritzes that you, you can get. Right. This is like legit craft cocktails. It's like natural ingredients, no preservatives, no sugars, no things like that. And once they figured out how to do that, it was just like we were off to the races. Like that just sort of caught on like wildfire. We started selling those things in like little picnic boxes. People were actually coming to the restaurant, would buy, you know, four cans of cocktails for 20 bucks, go to the beach with their date and like loving it. And obviously social media was helping us drive some of that awareness locally. So we're like, this is an amazing business. Like, so we spun that off into a canned cocktail business called QuickServe. Um, we started building the team out a little bit further. That allowed us to keep people employed through the restaurant. When we found the cult opportunity, it was just a distressed property that the building owner felt like, you know, we're not going to, be able to open something during the pandemic. We know what you're doing at Linnea. We love it. Would you guys like to open something here? And my partner, Peter, he, he approached me during like 2020 early and just said, hey, we might have an opportunity to open something totally new and just do it by ourselves. Like no other investment groups, no loans, just our own capital. We think we can do it for pretty cheap. And so we just bootstrapped this thing together. Um, and we were like behind the scenes, like this is like a lockdown period. Like we're behind the scenes as a small group from the restaurant and they're all sort of like taking their unemployment checks and just trying to like figure things out. And then pretty soon we're like, Hey, you know, we can put this thing together, come up with a cool concept, um, bring other people into the fold who know coffee, who know mm-hmm. the restaurant, the food biz. Cause I don't know. I don't, you know, I'm not back of house. 
right? That's not my that's not my forte. So it was all about just bringing a collective together that could bring something to life. So we had a lot of fun. We created this thing from the ground up in four months. I designed it with my sister, um, who's been in the design in the interior design industry for like twelve plus years. And uh, yeah, we opened it after four months of working on. We opened it in Feb of twenty twenty one. And it's just been a fun journey, very successful little business, but also just a lot of fun to be a part of. Yeah. And again, thank you for the, uh, I, I never like to take favors. So even though you told me to ask for Gabby, I think what her name was, um, to head out at cult while I was in Santa Monica, I just kind of snuck in on my own and it's a beautiful place, amazing cocktails, uh, an amazing experience. And, um, I, I was reading up, you sent me a few links, but just to give our listeners that are out West in LA specifically, like definitely go check it out. It's a, this is what the, the eatery said. It's a classy bistro fell in love with a cheeky uh, beach bar. And it's, I mean, it's a cool spot. Um, And and also shout out to you because I didn't learn this until afterwards, but your uh, craftsmanship and your, your artistic background, I believe that all the artwork in the restaurant is painted by you. Yeah, I, I handed I handed the artwork. I'd never done anything like that before, obviously. And we, my sister and I, work on the concept. So we're like, you know, what's the vibe going to be like? What's the, the color kind of palette? What's the sort of sort of style that we want to lean into? And we love this like Georgian, like all day cafe kind of vibe. Like these are just rich tones, rich colors. Mm-hmm. We obviously were studying the industry and industry trends. So like, who's sort of the new like that's the emerging trend right now in the interior design space. And then this whole time, we kept having this like little note of like, figure out wall art. Just figure out the wall art. Like, are we going to buy stuff? Yeah. Again, we bootstrap this, right? We, this is like our own money that we put together to build this place. And art's just super expensive. And then there's like all these art rights that you've got to like clear and get approvals for. And we're like, how do you, I don't know, we don't have time. Like, we've got four months. We've got to figure this out. And it came down to like the, the weekend before we opened. I literally, can I swear on this? Oh, God, yeah. All right. I said, fuck it. I said, fuck, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to just do this myself. We're going to go to like, I think it was Hobby Lobby or like one of those arts and craft stores. <laughs> right. And like, let's just buy a bunch of like poster boards. Let's just order some frames online. Use Pinterest for some inspiration, right? Obviously use Pinterest for some inspiration. We just came up with the look and the style of the art. And then we just did it at home. So we, there's seven pieces hanging on the walls at Colt Santa Monica that we, we pulled off in seven hours at my parents' house in Santa Clarita. We just laid everything out. Holy we shit. stenciled it up. We we just pulled stuff together. She helped with the painting of it. I helped with like the drawing it out. This is really cool gestural drawings mm-hmm. um, that ended up looking fantastic. Yeah, it looks uh, great. <laughs> people think they're like professional. People think they're like, with professional pieces of art that we like ordered or something. It's like no, like we just did that based at my parents' house in one day in seven hours. Um, so that's obviously there's a lot of pride with something like that, where like you open a restaurant for the first time by yourself do the artwork, put it on the walls. And then opening day, when you just have people coming in, like enjoying the space, taking pictures and putting it on Instagram and ordering food and drinks. Like that's what, what could be better. Yeah. And, and what a, what a powerful journey, Ryan. Like I'm, I'm so proud of you and it, it's so much fun to, to have you on this podcast. I know throughout the years you, we jokingly said this the other day, but you're, you've become one of my friends that I, I rarely do see, but you know, we have so much in common and, and we follow each other on Instagram and you have such a beautiful family um, so as if you weren't busy enough, cause we're gonna have to wrap up the podcast here with this. Tell me about Fetcha and her, a robotic delivery company. And I know you guys are kind of in pre-launch phase. Share with us what you can on that. Yeah. So it's this wicked smart group of guys. So my partner, Peter Tran just finished grad school at Wharton. 
And they obviously they have a, like, a lot of real world experiences or real world kind of projects that they work on. And then this project we kind of came to life through one of their school projects. So there's a group from Wharton that we sort of pulled into the fold that we started working with. We're obviously pooling all these different brands and businesses together. So when you put the Craftsman, Linnea, um, Colt Santa Monica, the cocktail business, it's, they're all sort of folded into one. One of those outlets and one of the pain points that we had um, owning restaurants was delivery. And especially during the pandemic, delivery was like the, the hot ticket. That's what was what was great. But all those companies just, they just gouged the consumer with fees or the restaurant. And so we're like, this is really not great. But we kind of understood that we felt like we could do it better. And we also, the theme of our, our whole group is, is innovation and exploration. So, you know, we looked at that space and felt like we could, this could be done better. Like you could actually have automated robots and bots cruising around town delivering cocktails. Like look, that would be super fun to just like cut our teeth and figure that one out. So we did, we just like embarked on this project and just slowly have been sort of building this, this company up. It's definitely pre-launch. We've done some like alpha and beta tests. We have partnered with one company called Tortoise who has like shopping cart size automated robots that can deliver stuff throughout town there. I think it was like an ex Uber executive potentially. And they're, they're based out of San Francisco. Um, and so we have a couple of guys that are just like constantly working on their nine to five jobs. And then on the side, they're just developing the software for that. They're developing systems and programs for this to actually start working. And then you have to obviously navigate like the legal implications of it and automation right now. Obviously probably not a lot of people know this, but like a lot of the little, robots that you see delivering food right now like these little test programs you can't in santa monica and you can't in los angeles have something be fully automated it's just the same as like a, uh, a tesla can't fully be automated quite yet it hasn't really passed those like proper laws and, and experiences and so all those things will have usually it's like mexico or somewhere they'll have a driver that sits there with a screen looks at the camera and actually drives it around town or it's like half automated where it's like just doing its own thing but there's always somebody kind of watching it to help it along and so, yeah, early days, we, we've got some like, kind of tests under our belt. And uh, we're hoping to launch that in the next couple, I would say, couple months here. Um, and so I'll definitely keep you posted. But that company is called Fetcha. Mm-hmm. We have not yet kind of embarked on all the different marketing and branding aspects of it. But um, very cool technology. Definitely the future. You'll hear more about robotic delivery more and more as the time goes on. So we're hoping to kind of get in front of that trend. Yeah. And I love the fact that my, uh, my hotel, favorite hotel in Santa Monica that I stay at, it's right down the street from... From Colt, I love it. Look, <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I'm so proud of you. I always enjoy our catch ups. I hope our listeners enjoyed this because, look, at the end of the day, uh, what inspires me about you, and I hope a lot of our listeners the same is, whatever you do day to day in your day to day job, you're great at Pinterest. I would probably argue that you're better than great at Pinterest, but here you are juggling, uh, constantly evolving. And, and I love the phrase innovation and experience. Like that's, that should be everyone's motto. Be curious and constantly evolve your position. And so I, I bet you, if I talk to you in two more years, you're going to have a whole another list of companies and that makes me very proud of you. And hopefully it inspires others as well. So this has been a treat for me, my friend. It has been an absolute pleasure. And likewise, I mean, the fact that we've met each other at such a young age, and then you've got all these different extensions, who knows where life will take us. But uh, thank you for having me. This has been a pleasure. I love it. Thanks a lot, my friend. Digital and Dirt is brought to you by Lamar Advertising. To learn more, check out the links in the description or go to lamar.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Spotify, Apple, or other platforms where podcasts are found. Thanks for listening.